the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. He's exhausted the loopholes. He realizes there's nothing he can do, so he has to carry out what he said. And he has Daniel thrown into the lion's den. He's loyal to his word. And we have to be people who are loyal to what we say. In Psalm 15, verse 4, it says, God honors the person who keeps his oath even when it hurts. I bet it hurt Darius to have to do what he did because he was fond of Daniel. But nevertheless, he realized, I, I'm going to have to be faithful. I'm going to have to be true to my word. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Daniel. Stay true to your word. In today's message from Pastor Gary, he teaches you the importance of being loyal to your word. Oftentimes in today's world, honesty is hard to come by. There is a lot of fake news and false teaching. However, as a follower of Jesus Christ, it's important to keep your word. Pastor Gary encourages you to be someone that others can trust. Stay loyal to the truth and what is right, even when it hurts. Stay faithful to your word. Jesus modeled this, and it's important that you model it as well. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Daniel, chapter 6, as he continues his message, Lessons from the Lion's Den. Now, when this news starts to leak... Can you imagine what the co-workers think, all right, in the office? They just have heard that you have been selected, at least this is the talk. The talk is you've been selected to be promoted over all the rest of them. How do you think they like that? How do you think the rest of the co-workers like that? They didn't like it. And so what we find happening here is some of the satraps and these other two governors, obviously besides Daniel, approach Darius and they float this idea. And here's the idea they come up with. They're like, Darius, listen, Darius, 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 Darius. We have an idea for you. We think that you ought to be God for 30 days. What do you think about that? And Darius at first is like, well, you know, tell me more. Now, this is actually not something that is that uncommon back in the day. It was something called the divinity of the kings. In Egypt, they practiced this. Pharaoh was actually seen as divine. In the Roman Empire, the latter part of the Roman Empire, they, they also practiced this with Caesar Augustus, Augustos, meaning the divine one. So they would deify the leaders. So these satraps and governors come up to Darius and they say, we have a good idea, not that uncommon in our world. How about you become king, uh, rather God, for 30 days, 
and here's how it'll work. We just happen to have drawn up this document because we thought you might like the idea. And if you sign it, then you will be God for 30 days. And so that's what they present to him, that if anyone prays to any other God or gives honor to any other God besides you, Darius, during that 30-day period, then they should be put to death, thrown into the lion's den. And Darius reads over the document. He says, I kind of like you. I mean, you wouldn't want to be God for 30 days. You know what I think is so pitiful, though? That not, not only does Darius say, yeah, I want to be God for 30 days, but that he only did it for 30 days. I mean, I mean seriously, if you're that messed up that you want to be God for 30 days, why stop at 30 days? Anyway, he signs the document, puts it in writing, and he signs the thing. And the Persian Empire operated under a different government system than did the Babylonian empire before them. The Babylonian empire before them was an absolute monarchy, meaning that Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar were authoritative despots. They could do whatever they wanted. It was an authoritative monarchy. The Persian empire, the Medo-Persian empire, operated under a constitutional monarchy. It was a different form of government. Darius could not just do whatever he wanted When he signed something into law, even he could not undo it. These guys knew that. They knew that when Darius signed something into law, it would be law and it would be permanent. And it was their way of trying to entrap Daniel. It was clearly and solely an attempt to trap Daniel. They were not content that Daniel should be promoted. They didn't like that Daniel had favor with Darius. But these guys weren't simply interested in having this 83-year-old Jewish guy just kind of relegated to some retirement community and draw Social Security. No, they wanted him dead. They wanted him dead. And so they present this document to the king, and the king signs it into law. What was the motivation behind these instigators in even coming up with this plan? Well, it leads us to point number one on our list, Lessons from the Lion's Den the instigator's jealousy. Plain and simple, it was good old-fashioned jealousy. They were jealous. They were jealous that they got passed over. They were jealous that someone else got something better than they. They were jealous of, of Daniel's position. They were jealous of Daniel's wisdom. They were jealous about everything related to this guy. The move that King Darius was about to make by placing Daniel in charge of the kingdom sparked a firestorm of jealousy in the hearts of these other officials. And these other governors and officials turned out to be no friend of Daniel at all because they were just a bunch of insecure, jealous, backstabbing co-workers. That's what it amounted to. They were jealous of an 83-year-old Jewish man and they wanted him gone. They wanted him dead. Why? Because jealousy has a very destructive nature to it. By the way, jealousy's twin is envy. And it's very difficult, even when you look at the definition of the two words, to distinguish between the two. Basically, envy is wanting what someone else has. It's like covetousness, which it's a sin. And jealousy is resenting what someone else has, feeling like they shouldn't get that. They don't deserve that. And jealousy then took root in the heart of these guys, and they put this plan forward And notice again the destructive nature of jealousy because, again, they weren't simply content in having Daniel go away. They wanted Daniel dead because jealousy does some pretty irrational things. There are some people in jail today because they acted on jealousy. 
There have been some marriages destroyed because of jealousy. There have been families divided because of jealousy. There have been businesses that have folded because of jealousy. There have been people murdered because of jealousy. Jealousy is a very destructive emotion, not only to the one who possesses it, but also to those who are the target of it. It's terrible. And the Bible warns about jealousy over and over again as something we must get rid of in our lives. I'll read a few cases. Romans 13, verses 13 and 14 in the ESV, it says, Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Notice there in Romans 13, Paul distinguishes between some acts of the sinful nature, talks about sexual immorality, he talks about drunkenness, he talks about quarreling, and he adds jealousy with that group. And he says, now, this is not to be something that characterizes God's people because he says, on the contrary, we need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. So what he's saying is things like jealousy, that's all part of the flesh. That's not part of the spirit. That's part of the flesh. And thus we need to die to things like that. And instead we need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the antithesis of those things, jealousy being among them. And so our lives should not be characterized by jealousy. We should celebrate other people. We should be happy for what other people can enjoy. We should be happy for people's success or people's accomplishments or people's achievements. We should be happy for where they are in life. We should not be jealous of it. We should not envy it. We should celebrate it and be grateful about it. 1 Corinthians 3.3 says, You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? There in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, jealousy is a mark of the world, not a characteristic of the church. Shouldn't be. Jealousy is also listed among the acts of the sinful nature in Galatians chapter 5, along with things like sexual sin, witchcraft, drunkenness, fits of rage. There should not be jealousy in our hearts towards anyone or anything. Now, a quick clarification before I move on to point number two. The Bible does, however, say that God is a jealous God. So let me explain that. When it speaks in the Bible of God being a jealous God, it means literally God is jealous for us, not of us. The difference is God's jealousy is a protective love, whereas the emotion of jealousy of our flesh is a destructive emotion. There's a big difference between the two. God is jealous for us, not jealous of us. It's a a statement of his protective nature, his loving protective nature of us, whereas the jealousy we're talking about here in this story, and hopefully something that is not in our lives, but the kind of thing that is in the world, is as of a destructive nature where we resent what someone else has. We resent who someone else is. We resent what someone else has accomplished, and therefore we have the sin of jealousy. Number two, something we can learn from the story on a positive side, learning from Daniel's life, is Daniel's integrity. Daniel is unfazed by this new law that is put in place. When Daniel finds out that the king has signed this law, he goes up into his room and he prays as he always has. If you look again at your Bibles at verse 10, in verse 10 it says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Underline that in your Bibles, as was his custom. I love that because it tells us that Daniel, over the course of his life, had developed what I'll call holy habits. He had developed holy habits. He was in the habit of doing what was right. 
and what pleased God. And he was going to continue to do that no matter who objected, who was offended, or what the personal consequences might be for himself. Because that's what integrity is. Integrity is doing the right thing, not in a harsh, abrasive, unkind way. It's just doing the right thing. Because you want to be a God-pleaser, not a man-pleaser. And so you're going to do the right thing, even if people object or are offended by it, and even if you might suffer personal consequences for it, because you know it's the right thing to do. And by the way, integrity, by definition, is doing what is right when no one else is looking either. Because Daniel was a man of integrity, not because he put on a public display of integrity, but because he was the same privately as he was publicly. That's integrity. The Bible speaks about him with words like in verse 4. If you look in your Bibles in verse 4, he's described as without fault, meaning no charge could stick against him. It it describes him as being faithful there in verse 4. And this particular section of your Bibles is written in Aramaic, not Hebrew, and it's the Aramaic word aman, and it means to be reliable and sure. These are the words that describe Daniel. He is reliable, he is sure, he's faithful, no charge could stick against him. Doesn't mean he was a perfect man. Just means he was a man who was of incredible discipline and incredible principle, a man of integrity, and everybody knew it. Now, what I find interesting about this story is that because he's a man of integrity, he didn't take the easy way out. You know what the easy way out would have been? Listen, this edict, this this statute was for how long? 30 days. 30 days. I mean, if, if Daniel weren't a man of integrity, he was, but if he weren't, you know, how easy would it have been just to, just to say, you know, Lord, here I am, I'm 83, you know, I've been trying to be faithful to you all my life, can I just have a month off? That's all I want. Give me 30 days, I just don't, I don't need to pray to you, I'll pick up the praying thing after 30 days are over, I'll pick it right back up, if I could just have 30 days off until I get through this whole statute thing, because I really don't want to be, you know, meat for the Lion King, I'm really not interested in being the circle of life, you know, can you feel the love tonight, God? I mean, I really don't want to go that route, you know, and he could have asked for that, but he didn't, and why didn't he? Because he's a man of integrity. He's like, I'm not, I'm not going to take, it's not like I'm going to, you know, stop being faithful to God for 30 days. I'm going to pray as I always have prayed, and I'll suffer the consequences, whatever they might be, because I'm going to do the right thing if others don't, or if others are offended by it, or if I suffer for it. That's integrity. May God help us to be people of integrity. We want to please God more than we want to please man. We want to do what is right even when no one is looking, because God is always looking. You look at the, in the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, there are many verses that just talk about integrity. I'm going to read three. Proverbs 10, verse 9 He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. Proverbs 11, verse 3, the integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Proverbs 20, verse 7 says, the righteous man walks in his integrity, his children are blessed after him. So we have the instigator's jealousy that we should not want to emulate. We have Daniel's integrity that we should want to emulate. Number three, the third character in our story is King Darius. We see King Darius's loyalty. When King Darius found out that he had been played, and he had been, he was furious. But he really couldn't do much about it. He signed the law, Medo-Persian constitutional monarchy. What is written is what is written. And he was mainly furious with himself, the text tells us. He was angry at himself, probably angry that he'd been duped, probably angry when he finds out that Daniel is is the one particularly targeted by this decree. 
And so he's angry at himself. And so it tells us in verse 14 that he was greatly displeased with himself. He's angry at himself. He's displeased with himself. And the rest of verse 14 says, And he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Now, the Bible doesn't say exactly what that means, how he labored till sunset, but what it implies is that he looked for some kind of loophole in the decree in order to free Daniel. He couldn't find any, but he tried as best as he could. And so he reluctantly, verse 16 says, he reluctantly has Daniel thrown into the lion's den, which is the first sign of his loyalty, actually, because he's loyal to his word. A loyal person in friendship first needs to exemplify loyalty in other areas of his or her life. He's loyal to his word. He doesn't like what he's written. He knows he's been played in some ways. He's exhausted the loopholes. He realizes there's nothing he can do, so he has to carry out what he said. And he has Daniel thrown into the lion's den. He's loyal to his word. And we have to be people who are loyal to what we say. In Psalm 15, verse 4, it says, God honors the person who keeps his oath even when it hurts. I bet it hurt Darius to have to do what he did because he was fond of Daniel. But nevertheless, he realized, I, I'm going to have to be faithful. I'm going to have to be true to my word. So we see loyalty to his word, but we also see in this story here, loyalty to Daniel. Darius was a true friend to Daniel. Short of going back on his word, Darius did everything in his power to free him. And when that didn't work, notice at the end of verse 16, what the king said to Daniel as he had him thrown into the lion's den. He said this at the end of verse 16, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Now, does this mean Darius is a believer by referencing the God of the Bible, the God of Daniel? No, not necessarily. It's unknown. But what it does show us clearly is at the very least, Darius is an encourager because that's what friends do for friends. Friends encourage one another. And he's encouraging Daniel, even though he realizes this could be the end of Daniel's life. At the very end, he's like, you know, chin up, Daniel. God's going to deliver you. It's going to be okay. God's going to be faithful in this situation. And he encourages Daniel in this way. And then the king then goes back to his palace where the rest of the story tells us he has a fitful knife. He can't even sleep. He tosses and he turns. He's tormented by his friend's condition. He's wondering the whole time. And he's, and he's longing for daybreak because he knows daybreak, he's going to be able to take the stone off the mouth of the cave and, and see if Daniel has been saved. Pick up the rest of the story with me in your Bibles at verse 18. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. And then the king arose early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? You know, and and I'm sure he's just perching there, listening, like, are you going to talk to me? And Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. And now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. And so Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. Some of your translations say because he trusted in his God. You know, Darius was not concerned that Daniel had technically violated the statute. 
because Darius had a heart for Daniel. He was loyal to Daniel. He was favorably disposed towards Daniel. And therefore, he was loyal to him. First thing he does, rushes out in the morning, opens up the mouth of the cave. Like, are you there, Daniel? Did God take care of you? Yes, and he was exceedingly glad because he rejoiced for a man who actually became, obviously, his friend. Which brings us to the fourth and the final point of the story. We see God's sovereignty in all of this. Darius ends up punishing the instigators of this whole plot. It tells us between verses 24 and 25 that Darius rounded up the instigators along with their whole families and had them thrown into the lion's den. The Bible says that they were mauled and crushed to death before their bodies even reached the floor. Now, you might think that that is cruel and unusual punishment, but the same law that bound Darius's hand as to why Daniel had to be thrown into the lion's den is the same law that required the death of these people. Because the Medo-Persians had a law that basically said, on account of the guilt of one, all of his kindred shall perish. And so you live by the sword, you die by the sword. If you're found guilty, it means your whole household has to die with you. It was part of the Medo-Persian constitutional monarchy. Those guys, along with their families, were killed. And Darius then makes this proclamation about the sovereignty of God in acknowledging the hand of God in all of this. I want you to look in your Bibles at the closing verses, verse 26 to 28. He says, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom... Men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. And so this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of of Cyrus the Persian. So Darius goes out with this great proclamation here about the sovereignty of God. And we see, of course, the hand of God. God steps in here into this scene in this unique, miraculous way here. And he glorifies himself in front of an entire nation, entire kingdom, by virtue of this decree that is issued by the hand of King Darius. And we can't always predict the outcome with God, but we can always trust God with the outcome. God is sovereign. God holds our lives in the palm of his hands. We can rest in that. Because even if we have to go through the trial instead of being rescued from it, God is with us, either in it, through it, before it, after it, all around it. God is faithful in everything that we go through because our lives are kept in the palm of his hand. In fact, Daniel talked about the sovereignty of God when he gave some closing remarks to Belshazzar before Belshazzar died back in chapter 5 of Daniel, verse 23, when Daniel said to him, God is the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways. God is sovereign. He's always and still on the throne. And we can trust him to see us through whatever we face as well, even though the outcome may not be as clean as Daniel's. God is still faithful in all his ways. May we always be sensitive to the will of the Lord. May we guard against jealousy. May we be people of integrity and loyalty. And may we rest in the sovereignty of God. Always an open ocean, jump in 
You've been listening to Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Pastor Gary has been taking you through the book of Daniel, an Old Testament book of history and prophecy. If you have any questions about this series, the Bible itself, or the ministry of Cornerstone Connection, please feel free to reach out by calling 703-771-1500. And be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you. Again, our number is 703-771-1500. You can continue listening to Pastor Gary's messages right now as well by visiting our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc, or by downloading our mobile app. Pastor Gary also has some companion study resources for many of his teachings. These are located under the Teachings tab at cornerstoneconnection.cc and are free for you to use in your own study of the Word, including one that covers the book of Daniel. You're also invited to be part of our weekly worship gatherings here at Cornerstone Chapel. We're in the process of transitioning back into live services, so please visit cornerstoneconnection.cc for the latest information and service times, or join us online through our website, YouTube Live, and Facebook Live. Again, our website for the latest information is cornerstoneconnection.cc. Thanks for tuning in today, and we hope you'll join us again right here on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know.